I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. Pianist Paul Hecht returns with a new trio and a new melange of music in his pursuit of new avenues of expression. Named after a work by American poet John Ashbery, the Pyrography Trio ignites a thread between Paul's life as an English professor and his new career as excursioning pianist, plying his trade and expanding his circle, while kindling connections between the scenes of Eau Claire, Chicago, and Madison. My guest tonight is Paul Hecht. Uh, Paul will be bringing his pyrography trio to Audio for the Arts Friday, February 10th. Um, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's nice to see you again. I, I want to ask you first to tell us about the meaning of pyrography. I thought you might ask that. <laughs> A rather cryptic, cryptic word. I mean, it's not uh, so, yeah. Um, it literally means fire writing, straight out of the Greek. Um, and uh, I'm no expert on this, but it's an, a, a, an ancient form of, of writing, I think, found in many cultures globally, where basically you heat something up and you like write on wood, you know, or draw on it. Um, and uh, but that's not really where I'm that's where I got my inspiration. I got my inspiration from the great American poet, John Ashbery, uh, who I've been a fan of for a long time. Um, and I started, when I was trying to come up with a name for this group, I uh, I just started looking through his collected poems and 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 found that there were, there were the guy writes great titles to poems. Um, and there were so many that I felt were stealable. But but this one, uh, you know, I, I particularly liked, and I also like the poem that goes along with it, which is, it, it's a kind of unusual poem for him in that it's, uh, it seems to be telling the story maybe of, of the country, uh, of the United States. Um, it certainly seems like that at times. Um, and, and, um, I've seen people writing about it, uh, say that it, you know, make the connection to Whitman, which immediately makes sense once once somebody has said that. Um, although it should be said that John Ashbery is a famously cryptic poet. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I put all of this in, in uh, this poem may be about this, may be about that, because it's very hard to be sure uh, of anything from, from one stanza to the next. Um, there's a, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is you either love this or hate this uh, pretty fast about about Ashbury um, is that, you know, there's the poems are filled with phrases that make sense. It's not like it's, you know, vocabulary that nobody uses. In fact, it's there are things that you've, you've heard. They're in your ears there. It's language that's plucked out of 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 people's speech, but it's been woven together um, in a way that is always incredibly suggestive and often powerful and, and moving. But uh almost always impossible to translate into some sort of straight narrative. Um, that's kind of his game. Um, but you can see I'm, I'm getting into a sort of aesthetic theory, which I thought was, uh, you know, an interesting one to, to put at the center of a band, um, you know, and, and, and also very flexible <laughs> to allow me to do almost anything. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's it's a bit of a mouthful pyrography, uh, and uh, uh, but it's distinctive. I don't think any other jazz bands have called themselves this. So you know, that's a good thing. Does it feel like? Uh maybe a homework assignment for the audience to maybe look up this poem and would doing so help them appreciate the music more, do you think? I don't think there'd be anything so so direct as that. I mean, if I could get more people to check out a John Ashbury poem, of course I'd be happy. Um and I think I, I did, you know, I like I put a link to the Poetry Foundation uh page where this poem is. Um yeah. I don't know. I mean it, it's also a connection to my history that mm -hmm. feels you know, good. Um, I, I discovered American poetry in college, and that's what made me into an English major and and kind of carried me on to graduate school in my first career uh, as an English professor. Um, and, you know, and, and then I sort of, I left the, my initial focus was American modernism. Um, so, you know, Ashbury was at that time living and and was, you know, on the cutting edge of things in the 90s. Um, but, you know, I was studying people like Wallace Stevens and but also, you know, Emily Dickinson, and Elizabeth Bishop and uh, people like this. Uh, but in graduate school, I ended up migrating backward uh, and across the ocean uh, to uh, the British Renaissance and then even beyond that to the European Renaissance and then back to ancient texts and things like this um, and, you know, Latin and all this sort of stuff and Greek too. Um, but my return to my love of jazz, which was also, uh, you know, dates back to my childhood is, is, is feels very much like a return to um, an American focus for me, hmm. um, in a way that I kind of haven't had nearly as directly, uh, for, you know, the last 20 years. Um, and so I think that's, that's one thing to, to kind of conjure with this is, uh, is the, um, is the Americanness of jazz or jazz as a, um, as a way of thinking about, um, what the United States was, is, might be, you know, and I'm certainly not the first person to say that, you know, it's an obvious thing, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's clear you have a very extensive background in language and that it gives you a unique perspective and probably colors um, the lens that you view music through. One of the one of the ways, of course, is is as we've discussed, is that you give your bands very clever names as opposed to um, other groups that might just list the names of the players and leave it at that. Well, I feel like that's a Chicago thing too, or at least it's it's a part of the Chicago scene uh, that I connect with. So I, I wouldn't claim that as my own. I, I'm in. I've had people narrate this to me that there was a time where almost all of the modern jazz bands in Chicago were just what you say, just these names, and then and then these these folks showed up. People like Matt Eulery, um, uh great composer and bassist. Um, I, I've, I'm really excited to be playing. I may, I may in fact play some of his one or two of his tunes at this concert. I, I will threaten to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, I believe he was, I'm, he may not take the credit either, but he was somebody who started naming his bands things like Loom. Uh, and uh, and then Greg Ward, you know, called his first band uh, or one of his first bands Fitted Shards. Um, and so there was this this thing where like, you know, why don't we name these bands, you know, and see, yeah. see what that does, you know. <laughs> so so uh, that's kind of what I'm into. It's kind of, it seems like it maybe it's kind of 50-50, some some groups of players name their bands and some groups don't. And, yeah. you know, they some of them have a, a purpose behind not naming the band. 
Yeah. Which is to leave the music um, apart from any sort of influence that you, you might give the listeners, you know, sure. external from the music itself. It's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, the, the no liner notes approach kind yeah. of uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I respect that totally. Um, and, and I and I reserve the right to, to use it myself too. Sure, why not? Appropriate yeah. circumstance, yeah. There are no rules. <laughs> ben and Gustavo, Ben Dillinger and Gustavo Cortinas uh, are, are in this trio with you. Um, they're also part of the rhythm section for Javier Red's Imagery Converter, among other projects. Um, do they travel as a pair? How did you select them for this project? <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, I I selected them. Um, it was really through Gustavo that uh, that I've met Ben. Uh, so yeah, I, I did I did kind of meet them as a as a unit. Um, and but beyond that, there's nothing more complicated than that. We, you know, I had a gig. Um, I got got Gustavo. Ben was Ben was free. We played, and we were like, "Wow, this we really like this. Let's do more of this." And that's it, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I've answered your question. I could I could say more about them as musicians, and and uh, I, you know, since then I've been really excited and pleased to uh, learn of the other projects that they're um, uh, working in, and you know, I find those inspiring and interesting uh so i'm i'm happy about all that but um I, I kind of found out all about about it later and and the repertory list for the pyrography trio is kind of full spectrum original compositions free improvisations masterworks from the jazz canon what can we expect for this show yeah so um i have fairly recently gotten to the point where i have a a, a whole set of sets worth of, of my compositions. Um, and so I'm expecting to do that again. Um, and I'm happy with uh, where a sets worth of this stuff is for me. And it, it, because it covers quite a lot of territory as I'm a person of eclectic interests. Uh, so there's um, some, you know, straight ahead, traditional kind of jazz harmony and jazz writing um uh, melodic writing uh there's some more complicated uh tunes that still have a kind of a lyrical thrust to them but you know are in an odd time signature do do odd uh modulations and things uh you know as as my my sort of modern jazz influences do and then there's some edgier things which are um provocations or chunks or you know, ideas that uh, are meant to be kind of thrown on the table and that we then work with in ways that we um, have maybe mostly not worked out in advance. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also, uh, this is this is a sort of direct uh, inspiration from some of Gustavo's other work is that uh, some, some of the time, it's a little bit odd to describe in a trio, but I, it'll probably make sense to you and, and some of your listeners too. Some of the time, um, uh, I like to for us to agree that we're going to rather than me taking a solo, we're going to just we're all just going to take this solo, you know, and it's, so there's not going to be anybody leading the way uh, that's designated at any one point or another. I mean, this this kind of thing um, 
it actually resonates with work that I did in acting in the past. And, uh, you know, I've, I've also like put on these plays for years when I was, when I was teaching. And, and so I learned some of these acting exercises, which are about, uh, finding, you know, finding ways for people to let go of their control of situations and allow them to develop spontaneously, you know, as in a, improv not jazz improv but you know right, uh, right actors on stage kind of improv um so yeah i have um and then there there are some a couple of other pieces that i i'm I, i'm excited about where my role changes significantly too and 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 i kind of i i go from the person being the band leader you know putting out the melody playing the you know setting out this thing and and really sort of back into um doing something which i wouldn't call maybe minimalist quite but you know where i'm basically just this guy pushing buttons on this machine the piano and there's these other things over here that are happening that we've that we've decided on that are happening around it um and uh so anyway i uh that's that's I'm, I'm describing the the set of my music that that exists and which I I can't wait to to share uh, especially in a, in a space like um, audio for the arts where we've got a, a beautiful piano and an intimate space um, which is perfect for all of these uh, games that I'm I'm planning on and then the rest is going to be um, actually uh, there's other things that I'm excited about that are they're very new that I've just just been working up um that i'm i'm excited to share um including some more or less obscure compositions by wayne shorter um a little bit of matt eulery uh which i alluded to before I, matt was generous enough to share some of his compositions with me and and tell me that it was it was cool to play them if i wanted <laughs> you know uh and i you know he's 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 somebody who really has his own musical language and this is the yes. thing that I, I, uh, you know, sort of is uh, most admirable. Uh, I mean, you can, whatever, it's uh, a lot of people aspire to do that. And uh, not so many, you know, really kind of obviously and fully achieve it. Um, so I'm excited to share some of those. And um, and I learned a fairly obscure Chick Corea tune recently, which I, <laughs> I can't wait to uh, share as well. Um, you know, we'll probably play a couple of standards too, just to, just to balance things out. Yeah, it sounds like a really interesting set. Thanks. It also looks like you're drumming up some more activity in Eau Claire, uh, bringing some guests up there. I think you had John Christensen up uh, not too long ago. Neil Hempel's coming up soon. How's that going? Uh, yeah, he's coming up uh, this Saturday. Um, yeah, that's exciting. So, and there's and there's other things going on with Eau Claire, which I'd also, if you don't mind, I, I, I'd, I'd also mention that, and that we're. Uh, I just met with uh, with a friend of mine here from from Eau Claire. We just had a a, a, a two hour meeting with uh, the Bluestem uh, folks, uh, David Stone and Thomas Farella. Who um, in the the Madison? <laughs> yeah, who, who, who are those guys? Uh, yes, in in another obscure location, the Madison Sourdough uh, Company, where we um, ate pastries and um, chatted for. Uh, yeah, solid couple of hours. So anyway, there's some people in Eau Claire who are very uh, impressed with the Bluestem operation and are are wondering whether such a thing can be duplicated a bit on another another stop on the highway, as it were, mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. um, Madison and um, and the Twin Cities. So that's something that's going on too. But yes, more more uh, 
more specifically that we've got uh we've got Neil coming up and I'm I'm particularly excited about this because this is kind of this isn't just my my call to Neil um this uh there's a wonderful bassist who lives in Eau Claire named Jeremy Betcher and um who's played all over the world he's he's really a great a great asset to to this community um and he's played with Neil in other circumstances and so he loves Neil's playing I played with Neil in other circumstances I love Neil's playing so we're we're uh, we're bringing him uh together and and so forming a trio that uh is a new trio but um based on joint experiences with neil so um that should be a lot of fun yeah and we're you know trying to do more more things like that on a small scale and then you know maybe do it on a on somewhat of a bigger scale uh further down the line um i was just meeting uh yesterday with a man named uh, bill nolte who owns an establishment in Eau Claire called The Joint, which in the late 70s, 80s, early 90s, uh, had a long uh, list of some of the best jazz performers ever to you know, walk on any stage. Um, and they, they came through Eau Claire during that time, but he was a one-man operation getting them to, uh, to appear in Eau Claire. And then at a certain point, he couldn't do it anymore. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that I, I had a long meeting with him yesterday. He's if you ever are in Eau Claire and you're a jazz lover, you have to be sure to go onto Water Street and find this bar called the Joint. It sadly it doesn't have a sign, so you have yeah. to look hard. <laughs> but it's open in the afternoon, and you get in there and you'll see that it's filled with portraits of uh, great jazz musicians of the of the twentieth century, all of whom played there. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a, there, you can get like a little key to the portraits of it. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a museum. Oh, I see. Yeah. Jazz performance. Um, Very cool. Well, that's exciting. Um, I mean, you know, we here in Madison, maybe not so much of late, but certainly felt ignored for quite some time. You know, you'd see great tours. It still happens to some extent who will hit Chicago or maybe hit Minneapolis, but they don't hit anything in between. And I think uh, adding Eau Claire to that mix, you know, um, just just increases the chances of us to get more cool stuff coming through the state. It feels like it has to be true. The more, I mean, we're we're not talking about cities that are in such close proximity that they would be overlapping with each other that much. You know, it's 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 nearly a three hour drive <laughs> to Eau Claire, um, but yeah. And I think I mentioned in our last interview this uh, gorgeous multi-million-dollar multi-venue facility that uh, was built just a few years ago in Eau Claire called the Pablo Center at the Confluence, um, which is starting to bring in some of those big tours, um, and and so I, they're also very interested in, in the idea of, of of supporting touring jazz um, and regional jazz and 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 building Eau Claire as a as a jazz destination. Um, so, and I've actually heard recently that Bluestem is doing some things outside of Madison as well. So, such success that they're having. I mean, nearby, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, stay tuned. Stay tuned, indeed. Um, one thing that folks may not appreciate is all the driving that's required to sustain <laughs> a playing career. We don't talk about it, especially for those who may live slightly off the beaten path. I mean, there's a there's this Milwaukee, Madison, Chicago access but there's no good way to connect them other than to drive mm -hmm. and then you add eau claire into the mix how do you manage all the driving <laughs> yeah i mean it's not so bad uh but it was 
Well, first of all, I mean, the, the answer to all of these things would be the, a train, which I heard was on the table uh, at a certain point, like uh, the previous governor, perhaps. Yeah, um, we're like, no, duh. <laughs> boy, that would that would be great. I mean, I know there is a train for part of it, but it's it's the Amtrak that runs, you know, twice a day. And Often it's, quite late. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not exactly... stuck in North Dakota or something right, like right. that. Uh, so that would be cool. Um, no, but I mean, I don't know if anyone's really interested in my 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 driving. I, oh, well, you asked the question, so I'll assume that people might be interested. I mean, it is if it's if I'm looking at a you know five hour drive, basically, uh, it it has sort of presented itself to me as this kind of mental um, challenge um, that you know, and basically where I've landed so far is is that the more music I listen to, the better. Uh, the the best way for my mind to be occupied uh, is listening to music, and then the second best way is um, is working on some kind of musical task to the extent that I can get enough concentration to do it. So um, I sometimes work on rhythmic things. Um, there's a there's a great series uh, by um, uh, the drummer Ari Honig uh, and uh, bassist uh, Johannes Weinmuller. Um, you know, and so, you know, they, they have these, these polyrhythmic, um, exercises. And so that's a, that's a thing you can work on in the car without putting your life in danger that much, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, if the time, if the time passes with me engaged in music and sometimes I, I move over to, to, uh, classical pieces that are kind of longer and more you know like you start a symphony you know and then suddenly almost an hour is gone mm -hmm. um uh that that leaves me in a in, in a better state than podcasts or um sports editing. talk radio yeah sports talk radio yeah not so much <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool that, that's some good uh thoughts i mean it's no one ever talks about it you know but it's such a such a reality i, I guess at least it's not uh you know, it's so it's sporadic and it's and you don't have to do it every day. Right. Has that going for it? Yeah, no. And I'm able to yeah, I mean I'm lucky in so many ways, but I mean one of the things I've been able to do is cluster rehearsals and gigs and then go and see things so that um especially when I'm in Chicago, I, I I'm doing something almost every every minute, it seems. Um, which is great. In Madison you're playing at Audio for the Arts, which is a top notch recording studio. Any plans to record the set? So yes, I am. I am starting to shift into recording mode here, um, and I'm excited about that um, set. And you know, who, who knows uh, what will what will come? I mean, I'm, um, I am, um, but I'm I'm actually looking to get into a studio, you know, formally with this group and also with Mark Feldman uh, later um, in the year, maybe in the late spring slash summer, um, and. Yeah, so this is this is now sort of officially part of a projected recording project, uh, which I hope will be will come to you know into the studio in, in half a year, and then maybe out into the world in a year ish. It's it's faster than doing academic books. This is one of the things I'm most excited about. <laughs> My only monograph, you know, took literally ten years. But I mean, even when it was done, I mean, there was a solid two years from the point of it being accepted by the publisher before it was actually in my hands so how do you feel about recording in general i mean is it do you feel like it's essential to document your work do you want to have product available to your audience to take home or is it more of like <laughs> a calling card kind of thing 
I mean, both those things, uh, yes, uh, um, um, documenting um, and and having having things available for people. Um, I mean, I've already found that, you know, when audiences connect with my music, they often want to know how they can get a hold of it. And uh, so at the moment, I don't have any way to, to, to get it to them, but I'm uh, planning to change that. Um, in terms of, I mean, I, I, I think I'm going to let the the nature of the you know what's what's on the record be develop continue developing organically over the next few months and I'm, I'm you know I'll think about it a lot and I hope it'll be uh, there'll be a lot of collective you know a lot of input from my my collaborator musicians um, you know I I um, I'm not planning to this is not the model that I want to follow but I'm not sure if you're familiar with Makaya McRaven. Uh, another Chicago artist who's gotten a lot of attention lately, but his uh, I've been focusing and, and actually writing a little bit about his um, uh, In These Times uh, recording, which came out last year, but it was, uh, it's, I think, seven years in the making. Um, and it's quite fascinating in that it it is, uh, there's there's brilliant live jazz performance, you know, including in studio, but there are also uh, recordings of various live concerts, I think all over the world, at least all over the United States, uh, over a period of years, which have been mixed together, have been have been produced and worked on in the studio in a really sophisticated way, because this is one of the things that that McRaven does. And so it, it creates this this product, which and then and then it's very much a complete uh, experience as a, as a recording. You know, I mean, there are. In, to the extent that it's hard to tell uh, lines between tracks sometimes because they they just you know merge with each other as a good DJ might might do right and just kind of keeps keeps the flow going. Um, so I'm definitely not planning to do something like that, but I am fascinated by that kind of organic and and holistic approach to yeah. to producing a record. <laughs> One step at a time, maybe that's how I look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> well, Paul Hecht, thank you so much for stopping by the Showbiz Roundup. Looking forward to your show here in Madison. Michael, I, we're, we're thrilled to be back and, uh, and we're going to have a great time and look forward to seeing people there. Thank you. That's it for this edition of the Showbiz Roundup. Our theme music is a composition by me performed by Outside the Sphere, an experimental duo consisting of Tony Barba and myself, with special guest Sebastian Brennis on trombone. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Bluestem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org. And you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletickbuzz.com. Catch you later. <laughs>